and welcome back to part two of our episode in which we answer the questions that you have asked. Yeah. Thanks for asking questions. Here are our answers. Yeah. Greg has to get on board with the Enneagram. He's not. <laughs> um, oh, I love this question. Okay. What are your views on people who choose to be child free? <laughs> people who choose to be child free. I have don't want no babies. Um, am I answering this one first? I I have a ready to go answer. Oh, you do? Okay. Do you want me to go? I can go. If not, you go. I'll go. (laughs) I laughed when I saw this question because, um, I don't know if I should, would it be throwing my husband under the bus? I mean, he's been pretty vocal about it. He definitely, he, he'll say this. He doesn't get it when people are married. I'll be more specific. He doesn't understand when Christian couples that are married don't want to have children. He, he doesn't understand why it's really difficult for Jonathan to, he's like, why would you not want to have kids? Like it's, he just sees it as like, it's the natural next thing. It's in ministry. It's a, you know, sharing of your love. It's outward expression of your love. It's, it's um, legacy. It's all of these really important mm-hmm. Christian ideas, which I totally get. I feel like who cares? <laughs> I I don't care. I I actually if someone is married and they're like they agree together that they don't want to have children, good. Yep. Cuz there are a lot of people in this world who have babies that they don't they didn't really want and are maybe struggling or maybe even regretful or maybe mm-hmm. even worse abusive. Yeah. And I, I have no problem with two grown adults t- that took a vow together to be married, to say together as man and wife or whomever, I don't want to have children. I mean, it doesn't bother me in the slightest. Same, same ditto. I think that you have autonomy over your life. I don't think that having children marks you as good or bad that marks you as being more of a woman or a man. I Mm -hmm. think I feel the same way about marriage, that marriage is not an entrance into um, a better part of your being. Mm -hmm. I think that marriage is an entrance into a new part of identity and being in a different kind of dynamic. I think both are the same, but by all means, I don't think there should be any shame or slander or guilt or reluctance surrounding. um, And even the people who don't have choices, whether or not you have children, whether or not you get married or ever a couple up, I think it's okay. And sometimes it's even better for the reasons that Nicole listed so logically um, and wisely. But, and I, and this again goes back to where we started the maintaining closeness and the whole affirming churches. We have mm-hmm. to also recognize the bag of goods that we were sold when yes. we locked into a religion. And that bag of goods for many of us was if you don't get married, if you don't have kids and somehow yep. God hasn't, you're not with God or God's not with you. I think God's not with you. Broken. This is you're not broken, the you're this, you're that, whatever. And it is. So unlocking from that. Yep. is the best thing that any of us could do. 
hundred. I like the theme. I like the thread that we're 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 also because we talked about. Well, I don't know how much. I can't remember if we've talked about this, but I know we've at least had plans to when we we do want to have an episode on being single in the church because it's yeah. so important and it's actually so important to me and you both, Renee. I know we both really care about this topic. Um, because we've talked about marriage isn't the pinnacle of the Christian life. Mm -hmm. So then marriage and having children is not then the next pinnacle of the Christian life. We have romanticized evangelicalism has romanticized this idea of being married and having kids, you know, a husband and a wife and two children or three is the, like, that's the thing. And we really lose so much of the worth of the saint when we say that that's all that they're, that's what they should focus on or they should spend their time on or, and also what if you don't, what if you can't have children? Yes. What if you're not able to have children? So then somehow you are less of a believer or you are lacking in faith or God is not with you. God's not with you. And there's so many things. Right. I mean, it's so toxic that I just, and also then I think about Paul, like Paul wrote almost the whole new Testament and he was a single man with no children, but he was also a man. And then you look at this. I know it is different. Yeah. And you look at the story of Hannah in the old Testament who prayed, who, who was barren, (laughs) who the Lord, she prayed and prayed and prayed. The Lord opened her womb and gave him Samuel. And it was just this blessing, but I want to, there's a logical fallacy here. I don't know which one. That basically says that because it happened to one person in the Bible, it now applies mm-hmm. to all people in, per- in right. perpetuity forever and ever. Right. Amen. And okay. that's just not true. Not true. So I think it's a beautiful story. It's a lovely story with Hannah and Samuel. And I appreciate Samuel f- and Hannah for their ministry, but it's not everybody's story. And nobody right. should ever use one singular sliver or character from the Bible to assume your, your life should be. Yeah. That's well said. That's a good point And well said. Yeah. I think, um, I'm sure we'll get into more of that topic when we eventually do our t- this episode on being single, but yeah, I think, yeah, I'm not sure. Depending on how this, the reason we haven't done it was because truly COVID we wanted to keep it a small group and the people we want to invite people who are single. Yeah, we wanted to interview people. Yeah. Yeah, some actually- are not in the Valley in Phoenix and but now let's see if how this Zoom episode goes. We might be able to do that coming oh, up. Yeah. All right. Next question. Oh God, I have such strong <laughs> thoughts on this, and it, uh, people might super disagree with me, but I am playing on this question. Okay. Thoughts is- on people who connect with spirits, like, and, oh. I, and I clarified. I clarified with this person, and this person said like mediums and things like that. So mm-hmm. I got. Lots and lots of thoughts, but you go ahead. I feel like I'm sure I do have thoughts, but I actually just want to, um, I just want to, what's the word I want? I don't know. I want to bow to you <laughs> as, the, as the, as the resident prophetess <laughs> who shall speak God's word. <laughs> Let us hear thy word. So I get slightly fire and brimstone about this. And I'm going to look, I'm going to have a lot. I might have a lot of people mad at me for this. Listen, you don't want to play with some of these spirits. You don't want to play with them because though that shit is real. 
So here's what I have to say. That shit is real. So whether it's, (laughs) that's all, that's it. (laughs) So whether it is the holiest of holies and angels and whatnot, or the deep dark of the dark demons Mm -hmm. and whatnot, or whether it's conjuring up people from the dead. And speaking of Samuel, I think he conjured up. No, somebody conjured him up. Somebody conjured him up. It was Saul, the first king. And Samuel was pissed. He was like, why are you calling me up from the dead? It's a great story. So look, there's all that, all of that stuff happening. All right. If you guys can see Renee's face, it's your good, like, oh, she's going to give it face. Once you open there's no going back, which is a very good thing about it, but it can also be a very, very uh, dangerous thing. Yeah. And, and here's what, here, here is where I want to make a very clear distinction. When it comes to politics, and it even comes to like exegesis of the Bible, I actually don't believe in a singular truth. I don't. I believe that there are nuanced ways of looking at it that you can have the not only, but also. Yeah. And I believe that, but there is a singular truth. I I believe this with all of my heart and it is the spirit of the most high God, which who I believe is manifested in the person of Jesus Christ. I believe this with all of my heart and I'm okay if people disagree. Mm -hmm. I believe that our holy God, the holy God, not just our, the, is willing and able to reveal all things mm-hmm. to us. And I feel like a lot of us bypass what is actually true for mm-hmm. something that could quite possibly be counterfeit, counterproductive, mm-hmm. or um, dangerous, just straight up dangerous. There are, And there are so many different things. And I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole because we would be here for a long, long time. Yeah. And I really, I don't care to go down that rabbit hole. Um, but that's what I think. I think that stop conjuring up people mm. and remember that you have access to a very good God. Mm-hmm. You, you have access. I have access. Nicole has access. We all have access to this. Yeah. Because I think the reason why people want to conjure up spirits is because they're, they're in pain and it's because they want answers to things that they find unanswerable. And so two final points on this. Number one, I'm sorry. I understand that there, there are going to be some things that you might not feel closure on until you get an answer. I see that. I understand that. I don't know. I don't know that any of us is guaranteed an answer here, okay. there, anywhere. I don't know that that's ever going to happen. But number two, if I do get an answer, I, uh, well, I had a second one and I lost, I lost it. I lost my train of thought. Um, I lost it. But anyway, I, that's what I want to say about that is because listen, I have been in the room, I've been in rooms full of demons. I have, and I've been in rooms full of of angels. I have tapped into the dark and I've tapped into the light. And it is no joke. And it's very real. And I know that you and I have both experienced 
that in different ways. Um, I when you were going to say your point to second point, you said, if you get an answer, I was just thinking if you get an answer, if I got an answer, I would want that answer to be from the creator of all things. Yeah. I don't want that answer to be from any source, but that source, the source. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think you just said all that. So well, okay. Okay. Good. I didn't want to come across as being judgmental toward people who want to do that because no, I, think I also have really strong opinions because I know the danger in some of that in tapping into demonic stuff that I think is, I think is, um, it's not life-giving. Yeah, it's not. Life-giving. And I think the biggest thing is the peace, right? Do you yeah, feel peace about it? Because I do believe that God can use like a memory of an ancestor or mm-hmm. things like this part of your cultural heritage, something that reminds you of something yeah. to give you that sense of peace and release. But yeah. that's different than conjuring up somebody from that's the dead. Different. You're right. right? But I think just even pointing out what you said, which I think is actually really is wise and is just a word from the Lord that a lot of times when people are seeking that it's because they're hurting yeah, and they want answers that, you know, we're not guaranteed. And I mean, that's hard. That's a hard pill to swallow. Even just, you know, as a follower of Jesus, like I'm not promised any answer. Yeah. That's not, that's not what, you know, Christ following life is. That's not the, equation. I don't sound like you do this and he does this. And then he answers all your questions or you get everything you want. We all know that. And there are times when it's our hearts have broken wide open because we haven't been answered things that we've wanted answers on. Yeah. Um, but I do think that that's true, that people are often hurting. And, and I also think I would add, I think a lot of times people are curious. Sure. 100. It's like the testing of it's like, is this real? And then the curiosity builds and then it becomes this, like, let's try this out and see what, what is really there. Um, and if you haven't experienced it, you know, you don't know, but you and I know that it's very real. Very. Yeah. I think that you said it well, and I think I'm going to move on there because I need to, Yeah, that's totally great. but, um, I don't know how long, I don't know what's happening. I don't know where we are. Um, I don't know either. Somebody did ask about spiritual gifts. We uh, will get to that in another episode. Um, We need to do a whole episode on spiritual gifts, um, which, yeah, that will be, that will be. So good. And then somebody, oh, the white supremacy evidence surrounding the Olympics. So Mm -hmm. I just recorded an episode with my friend Josiah yesterday on uh, not white, white supremacy, but on Simone Biles and mental health. And I won't link to that on Nova, but I will on Renee Ronica, my, my personal page. Um, but we talk about that a little bit. I don't know that we want to talk about it here, Nicole, but there, are t- and, but there's another question. Mm-hmm. How do you keep at it? Overcoming the BS people throw at you for calling shit out, but it was the poop emoji, which I appreciate, but you can't see. <laughs> I think we kind of touched on it at the beginning, but is there anything else, Nicole, that you want? And this kind of goes in with the white supremacy evidence surrounding the Olympics. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you keep at it overcoming the BS, which this is, do we talk about this now? Or do we talk about it in a different episode? Cause we could talk about it in a different episode. Um, I don't know. Um, I feel like we kind we talked about it a little bit on our Insta live. Yeah. Um, 
someone had asked about just like, how do you keep going when there are so many racist people in the world? <laughs> I mean, truly, that was sort of the question. Um, I don't know. I can say, I'll speak something about the Olympics just because that is happening right now as people will be listening to this for the first time. Um, recap that, well, there's been a lot of things happening. Um, one was the um, the refusal of the Olympics to purchase and provide swim caps for their um, black female swimmers, a black female Olympian swimmers um, to cover their hair. Um, this is something that if you are white, you just don't have to think about. Um, it maybe like never actually even crossed your mind. And so, uh, someone that you and I both know, Renee, um, Danae, she had shared on Instagram and she said, um, she's black. And she had said when she was growing up that swimming was her, it was basically, it was her favorite thing. And she, you know, she was, she did competitive swimming. And she said that, um, the, her, her inability to find hair caps, swim caps that would cover her hair was actually the primary reason that she had to stop swimming competitively. And so, um, Ugh. I know it's really heartbreaking and it's really angering to me for so many reasons, but I think I feel, I feel a few different ways about all of it, but kind of what we were talking about, about the church earlier, I, I, I feel angry because I, these things have been happening for so long. And a lot of us and myself included, I haven't known or understood a lot of the nuances of things or the, spe the specific things that are happening in certain, for certain, um, groups of people. But I also feel hopeful because I'm watching things be talked about in a way, in ways that I have not seen, at least in my adult life yeah. and people becoming aware of things that, and on a level that I have never seen before. And that gives me hope that there will become real system changes um, and addressing these patterns, these systemic things. So on the one hand, it's like, it pisses me off to no end. And I cannot imagine being an, an elite athlete and not having the basic equipment. Like a, what equipment does a swimmer need? Goggles. They literally need a pool, a swimsuit and a swim cap and goggles and goggles Four items. And they're missing one, one fourth of what they need is gone. It. Okay. So yeah. And what, people might say though, they're stretchy though. They're stretchy, but those things pop off no, and other stretchy things can pop off too. If they're not the right size, people right. come on, make the connection. And yeah. You, even my hair, right? Um, yeah. It's long. And I, you know, if you, some of you can see it, I have to have, there, it, there's a special swim cap made for women with thicker, longer, more ethnic hair. And it's wonderful. Yeah. It, is a, it was a game changer. Cause that other thing, it, it pops off while you're swimming. It's going to provide what you need. And so I think those things um, are coming to the surface. There's more, there's a lot of other things that have happened. I and mean, we, I don't really want to get into the similar bios because I just, I don't know if I have the energy for that conversation, um, <laughs> at this point, but people also telling, you know, a black woman, woman, what to do with her body. Um, they're telling her what kind of risks she should take with her body. Them telling her she should 
performed the most difficult elements literally in history whenever they tell her to they snap and she should jump literally um (laughs) I have no tolerance for that whatsoever so it's intolerable it's intolerable so I think though I feel hopeful because I do see this as progress I feel like the one of the most decorated female black athletes in the world saying I'm gonna press pause to take care of my mental health is so countercultural for and it's shocking people but it shouldn't be shocking um that I see that as actually really good progress and I these are the kinds of events that I see from the inside out busting through these systems that are in place so Simone Biles nor anybody else in the history of anything owes anybody anything. Mm -hmm. That's That's number one. Number two, Carrie Strug in 1996, she competed Mm -hmm. and did that a second vault. You go look it up. Injured, not hurt, injured. It was a a vault that they didn't even need to secure the gold. They already had the gold. That's right. And she asked her coach, uh, Bella Lugosi, do I have to? And he said, yes, which was false. Mm-hmm. And then who escorted her off that mat? Larry Nasser, Picking the- Larry Nasser, the molester of all molesters. Oh, so we had this entire system of patriarchy and supremacies of all sorts. I'm a Carrie Strug is white. Yes. But, um, and these, these women who feel overlorded by, and who are being protected mm-hmm. by their abusers. Right. And I think about what Simone Biles has done in Naomi Osaka as well at the beginning of the summer was drawing a line. And even the women who in Nor- Norway, I believe. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're they decided good. to wear shorts and they got fined and pink. The singer is going to take care of that fine. Yeah. But here's what I believe Simone Biles legacy is going to be, of course, gymnastics, but even more so mm-hmm. her decision to change culture because culture as it stands has got to change because we are allowing abusers to call the shots and it is not okay. It is not okay. Um, And (laughs) (laughs) so Evan just sent us a zoom message. Bella Lugosi played Dracula. (laughs) I was like, yep, that's right. Bella Lugosi. I totally agreed with you. And it's Bella, uh, Bella Crowley. Bella yeah, Crowley. Was Carrie Strug's coach. That's right. Bella, <laughs> Bella Dracula. Bella Lugosi. Bella Whatever. It's the same. Sorry. I love <laughs> So Evan is a real film buff. It's the best. And uh, we, should, we should interview him on that. Okay. That was good. Yeah. So why? I mean, even look, Nicole and I have a lot to say on how we keep calling it out specifically when it comes to equity and issues like that. And you just hold your ground, but also, uh, you know, cultural intelligence, which is the framework um, we we like to use is says that you think about the person you're talking to. So I'll share something really quickly that happened last week. And it made me so mad, but I, this, this person got very angry at me for a ridiculous reason and was really coming at me for what I do with diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I couldn't get this person to basically stop foaming at the mouth Mm -hmm. until I did this. I was like, this guy 
loves capitalism and any sort of plea on capitalism is going to turn him around. So I said, all right, here, because he was mad that I referred to myself as a person of color. He just was super offended by this. What? Because I'm an American and I, anyway, and that, and I'm an idolater. I'm an idolater. I was an I. I'm, I'm practicing idolatry by acknowledging Lord. my Indian heritage. These words came out. So I was oh. like, whatever. I was like, I got to reel this, this vision. Yeah. So I was like, look, my entire life, I already told you how old I am. I'm at mid, entering into my mid 40s. So since I was 30 or 12, I've been needing face makeup. And there are like six, there were six shades available. Right. For face makeup since 19 ever. Right. Up yeah. until the last five years. And I said, so I have been walking around with either a bad shade or I've had to buy three shades. Right. And mix them and mix them up and become an apothecary or whatever it's called <laughs> um, to to like create some to create the magic. And <laughs> and I was like, and it's cost me three times the time, the money, the effort, the everything. And I said, five years ago, Rihanna and a couple of other uh, companies started championing and recognizing women of color, women who are multi-ethnic, mm-hmm. and they have introduced about 60 or 70 different shades in a line. And now, like for the first time in my life, I have a shade and it's just one shade. One shade. And it matches you flawlessly. It matches me flawlessly. And I'm telling you, that freaking shut him up. Oh, because he's like, oh, he's like, that's a real capitalist game there. Unbelievable. Um, No, but it is believable, right? Because I knew that's what was going to get the argument to settle. I didn't win anything. I'm still the devil. Uh, Every single morning, this person turned on Newsmax with how the dangers of critical race theory, like six Uh, o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm, and I'm calling it all out here, right? Because it is bullshit. And, um, (laughs) and, uh, Meme right there <laughs> that was captured on video and so that will become a meme <laughs> um but that's how you keep going you keep going by either picking your battles to rec- recognizing i did it right i did it wrong there are times you're just you're not going to get it right you're not going to get it wrong and you're not going to win everybody and there are some people who deserve to be engaged and other people sorry yeah. hard pass all right final question is fun wait i want to say one thing oh, about that. oh yeah sorry 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 um i um had uh i haven't even gotten to process this with you yet renee but i had a situation with someone a few days ago it's whatever i started this online diverse book finder for diverse books for homeschoolers and i've had boys some- of color.com yeah. Thank you. I'm not trying to promote that. That's not the point, but I had, I've had some, some people, some women push back and I was telling you this and you were like, Oh, you know, you had like, are they white women? And I was like, actually women of color. Unfortunately, I'm also homeschoolers. And there was one woman made some comments to me and there was some for sure colorism in her response to me. Like, I'm not, I don't know, black enough to to curate a book list of diverse books. And it was very, listen, it was actually, I don't know if normally if I would have gotten angry, but I actually was really hurt by it. Yeah. 
it actually was really hurtful. But then I, you know, I started, I started processing it. And one of the things that you were saying is, you know, I'm not going to please everybody. I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to get it right. Like you can't always get it right all the time in this work. Like in, 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 in fighting for what you believe in, in, in racial, racial reconciliation and all of these things, there will be times we mess up. I know I've messed up. There's stuff I don't know. There's things I'm not educated on yet. There's things I want to know more um, intimately. There's a whole bunch that goes into that, but that doesn't mean we stop and that's humbling, but we have to keep going. That was off of your point. But the other thing that I kept thinking about after this woman was making these comments to me was for me, one of the ways that I've kept going is to know my identity Mm. and to feel rooted in my identity because I did a lot of emotional work this last year with my therapist about just being a mixed person and being a mixed person is a whole separate identity in and of itself. And there are days where I feel more black. There are days where I feel more connected to my white side. There are days where I don't know what I feel. Um, there are things I'm still figuring out about how I want to feel about stuff actually. And, but the more rooted I feel in my identity. And so she's saying that I just thought, you know what? No, I know who I am. I know my family heritage. I know my culture. I know what God has spoken over me about who I am. And I know what I believe is important. And I'm not going to stop doing this because Mm -hmm. it's something that I believe in. So that was my kind of longer, short answer that I would add to what you're saying. Identity is one of the fuels, I think, to continue this work. Yeah. I like to say this and I'll say it again, 100%. I realize I said that a lot and I like that emoji as well, but (laughs) it is. And what I, I'm so, I was thinking about this recently. I feel so thankful that all of this is happening when it's happening because Mm -hmm. the pushback now, because I believe, I truly believe Nicole, you've been called to do what you've been called to do. And I've been called to do what Mm -hmm. I'm called to do. And it hasn't happened because it wasn't able to happen because we weren't emotionally ready because our identity hadn't been fully configured. I don't like that word configured. I truly believe that. And that might sound trite and I don't care. Um, But I know that the things that I am doing now, I could never have done until now. Um, And and I think that's important and I appreciate your sharing and we, this, and it's an ongoing conversation, right? I'm sorry that this woman treated you like that. It's terrible, oh, but I'm thankful that you also, I want to say too, you are. if you're, if I, the identity part doesn't have to only be, or exclusively be that you're a person of color, that's not what I'm saying either. I'm saying that for me is part of the passion inside of me, but if you're white and you're, you feel called to racial reconciliation and justice work, that's part of your identity. Like that's something that God has put in you to help fight for. That is important to recognize because it is part of the, it's part of the motor, the engine to go. And there are certain communities that will not listen to people of color. They will listen only to people of whiteness. Absolutely. And the same way that sometimes as a, as a, I don't know if it's because of my foreness or because of me that I freeze, I want an eight or whoever it is to come and box for me. I want somebody to advocate because in that moment I can't, and there might be another five or 10 years where I can't certain people, I I'll fight back, but a lot of times I overcorrect and I'm, I like lunge. Yeah. And um, you know, but sometimes 
that using that can carrying that metaphor over um, sometimes they need you to box for them to because now it's not such a black and white issue literally right but it's uh, <laughs> hey look I'm in this fight too because I can see it there was a uh, some sort of government per- some government person like a senator <laughs> And he, some government person, um, some senator stood up and he, I mean, 30s, 40s, I don't know, white. And he was like, you know what? I'm recognizing my privilege for the first time. And it was so powerful. And even that, I think it was a general, some other government person, some military person. Yeah, that the the military person who's like, listen, we ought to be, we need to engage. what white supremacy is. Those of us who are white need to recognize our privileges. And that's a game changer in a lot of ways. And the haters are going to hate. Yes. It's important. We can have two episodes here. Okay. Two more questions. Is this this two more? Well, it's a, it's a double barreled question. Okay. All right. And I'll, I'll read them both and we can do what we want with them. What are some of your, this is ending on a light note. Okay. Yay. What are some of your hobbies? Yeah. And how did you find your path in your careers? Oh, well, hobbies. I really like crocheting, <laughs> which is really awesome, but you don't do I make it. tea from my garden. No, I don't do any of those things. Um, no, no shade on you. If you do, I'm not saying that a lot of my friends do all of that, but I do have a garden, which has weirdly become a hobby of mine and shout out to this TMI. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a garden that's become a hobby of mine. <laughs> so that's to Beth and Holly, to Beth and Holly, who peer pressured me to um, plant a garden, and I actually really love it. It's very relaxing. Um, hobbies. Why are you laughing? I just um. That's what she's setting the whole. That's what she said. <laughs> I tend to my garden. Um. I have so many inappropriate things running through my mind right now that I, okay. Um, I don't know. What are my hobbies? Reading, reading, um, traveling, tearing down the patriarchy, traveling and telling the patriarchy to go. Ah, no, <laughs> itself. Um, it's kind of actually true. Uh, podcasting with Renee, because this is actually like a passion project, you know, for us, we just, we do this because well, because we can't help ourselves. You know, we do this because God help us. <laughs> we got to do it. Also, it's just a good outlet for us, and it's it's things we already talk about and care about. And so, actually, Nova is in that sense. You know, we both have other gigs. Maybe someday, when we have all the time and energy, we'll just do like a full push for Nova, but. Yeah. I actually really like what it is yeah. and how it is right yeah. now. And it's I, a side hustle. As I really it. But it's fun. We've got a cool, like motley crew of, um, of listeners, which we really appreciate you and love you. Um, yeah. I have a lot of very similar hobbies. I like, I like to read. I love <laughs> to write. Um, my first two degrees are in very, writing. very talented writer. Um, thank you. And you are a very talented writer as well. I'm more of a creative writer, um, but I'm a, I'm a good scientific writer too. Yes, um, good writer. Wrote my dissertation proposal with active COVID and passed that mofo. I love to travel. Um, I love, I love to swim. Oh, yeah, just seeing water though, just seeing it like 
calms me down. Sometimes I will go out of my way to like go by Tempe town lakes. We don't have a whole lot of water in Arizona, which is sad. Um, I've chosen, like I chose to live in California. I chose to live on Long Island. Those were places that were by the ocean. And I chose to live in those places for that reason. And the places that I didn't choose to live didn't have ocean. And it was sad. Um, I love, love to swim and I'm a badass swimmer. Um, you're a badass, really good swimmer. Um, You've like drowned grown men racing you. No. Okay. So we, I was racing somebody. We were doing that thing. We call it Frogger where you go around the pool without taking a breath. And I'm really good at that. So he went and he went, he did a good job, but then I went and I did a way better job. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, and he ran free and he was like, Oh, I'm not going to get beat oh, now, woman. So he freaking does it matches what I did. And then slips under the water. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. And I go into the water and I swoop him up. It's so funny. And I saved his life. And he knows to this day. I don't think it was because you were a woman. It was just that he doesn't like to be big. Sure. I think so, too. Yeah, right. Because I don't actually think he's a sexist at all. Uh, But it always makes the story more interesting. (laughs) Um, What else? What else are my hobbies? That's a both like to eat. We both like to go to love to eat, try food. Oh, Renee and I both, it's not really a hobby, but we both really are into makeup. Yeah. I really like Like, makeup a lot. I mean, maybe it's a hobby. Like we like to go makeup shopping and find things and it's more like, you're like more of a connoisseur. I just want to like, you know, yeah. Leave the house looking good. (laughs) You're and no, you're really an, you're an artist. Um, I've gotten better at it. I've gotten better. I was lazy at it. That's just like a fun little thing that we both like. But yeah, that's, that's not a lot of us. Any other hobbies? I I have too too much work for hobbies, but no, those are my, that's enough hobbies. Um, And honestly, my work is my hobby. I really, I really do love what I do. Yeah. So how did we find our career path? Mine's too long of a story. Uh, You go ahead. Um, I don't have a career, so I don't have a class. So, um, <laughs> I'm a homes- listen, you're a homeschool educator. That is a career. So, uh, homeschooling is actually my job. And that's what I tell people. I do count that as my job. And I already explained how I started doing that just purely out of laziness. So oh, if yeah, you're yeah. a person, um, you might still be able to find your dream job. Um, and really that's be right. successful at it. Um, I also have written, like I've been a writer over the years for different publications and I had a blog for a long time and I did ministry with Renee and we had a women's ministry for me. We didn't make any money off of that. No, though. But there's still things we've done, Zero. that you know, and then we are now doing Noba and I just also launched. no money making. <laughs> Although somebody asked us if we have a Patreon. I'm like, Oh, we should have, yeah, I know we thought, about, I know we thought about it. And then and I Nicole just- and I had a dinner. <laughs> Let's buy some makeup. Oh yeah! I just launched that book site, and so that's also just something that I'm passionate about. None of these are like things that are paying the bills; are just things that are. They're all things I'm passionate about, and I've in just different seasons found ways to do that while still homeschooling. When I'm done raising my children, um, I know that I'll do something else, but I. I don't, I'm not going to speak that because I don't, I'm not going to make guesses, but I feel like I know some of what I want to do. I really love speaking. I really love public speaking. And so hopefully there'll be more of that in the future too, but I believe there will be. That's cool. 
I mean, my career path is so long and windy, but I started off as a film major in college and thinking that that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And then I remember looking at the two, like the major maps and for the English major and the film major and the film major classes, I was like, all right, good, 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 good. And the English class, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to take all of these classes. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm going to do what my heart is telling me to do. And I was like, all right, Lord, be with me. And then I wanted to do with the international stuff, I wanted to study abroad. And they were like, there's no way that a fresh English major can go to England to study when you just changed your major. And I freaking went. Why? Because I, I got the favor. So <laughs> I went and it changed the, it changed the trajectory of my life while I was there. I realized I really, really love teaching. The problem is, is I, I didn't want to teach. I didn't know that teaching uh, older people was, was a, option. I just didn't even yeah. consider it, but yeah. I knew that there was something in me that was like, I want to birth in others, a desire to communicate who they are. Mm -hmm. And right before I graduated with my master's degree. So I had my master's freaking degree before I knew what my career was. So just, yeah, I was 24. Yeah. Um, a professor came up to me and she's like, by the way, if you want to get that degree, you got to teach this class. And I was like, nope, I don't teach. And I was like, all right, but I want that degree because I worked hard for yeah. it. First day, have I told this story? And on nobody yet? It's a great I story. I don't know. So, I first day of classes, September 11th, 2001. Maybe, I'm, I don't know. I know this story, but I don't know. I'm you. in New York and I woke up and the World Trade Center, everything was happening. And I was uh, about two hours away from New York when this is happening. And, and the afternoon class happened and I walked in and I was like, this is overwhelming. It's overwhelming to know that there's this national or international trauma. Mm -hmm. So I walked in and I had spent weeks on this amazing syllabus, amazing. Yeah. And I didn't hand it out. I stood there and I said, okay, whoever wants to go, you can go. Cause we're not gonna have class today. Yeah. Whoever wants to stay and just talk let's do it. And we, that was a, an hour and a half long class. And we stayed for like three or four hours and we just mm -hmm. talked. Yeah. And there, it was an international group. Um, it was like an English one-on-one class. And I went home, it was so inspiring. I went home and I tossed my syllabus and I rewrote the whole thing based on all of the questions. Mm -hmm. And I knew like, this is what I was born to do. I was, I'm, I was born to teach adults how to be. Yeah. And then uh, I did that for 17 years. And then my, the trajectory of my career totally changed to teaching teachers how to do that. And it wasn't something I had planned. I just needed more money. That's really why I changed it. And I, I was getting burnt out uh, because of the money. I wasn't getting burnt out of the teaching. I was getting burnt out by the lack of money. Yeah. And then I, so I started this career and I had something happen about three years ago um, where I was giving a, an intercultural competence training to an international group. And one of the activities and how I handled it just didn't go. Mm -hmm. And it was a total cultural faux pas and it was awful. And I was heartbroken because the very people that I want to uh, champion, I ended up offending. And I was like, this shit is not working. And I went before the Lord and I was like, you've got to help me. Mm -hmm. So at this time I'm in my doctorate, this is 2019 
I'm in my doctoral program. And one of my classmates who already has a PhD, I don't even know what he's doing, getting a second doctorate, but whatever, dude is brilliant. He writes me in a discussion board and he says, hey, Renee, did you see on page 27 of Albert Bandura's um, essay, Social Cognitive Theory? I don't know that I have that title totally right, but it's along that lines. Did you read his statement about intercultural competence trainings? And I was like, I did not because those pages weren't assigned to me, but only a guy who's getting a doctorate after he already has a doctorate would read the unassigned pages. Mm -hmm. So I read this and it was a total game changer a total game changer. And I was like, oh, Albert Bandura died yesterday. Really? He was 95. Yes. Oh, that's and, I saw you post about him. Yes. And he changed my life. Yeah. So that's when I discovered what cultural intelligence was. So then mm-hmm. I just, I doubled down on it. Yeah. And then I realized now we're in 2020, right before COVID. And I realized that uh, people want my training outside mm-hmm. of ASU. Yeah. And so now I need to start charging, but the cultural intelligence model I was using was trademarked and I'm not, uh, I don't, ha- okay. So in what I do at the university, I do, I have no staff. I have no supervisor. I have mm-hmm. no budget. I do have a salary, but that's it. Yeah. So, and I have no, I have no resources at all. Yeah. So I just hustle the shit out of that and I've done a great job. Yeah. Anyway. So I realized this cultural intelligence model, I needed to be certified in it. And it's like an eight grand certification. I'm not paying for that. The yeah. university is not paying for that. So I was <laughs> like, well, the research is the research. Yeah. I can create my own model. Do it myself. So I created my own model and my professors are reading, my co- colleagues, my classmates are reading, the people who I'm training at the university I'm at yeah. are reading it. And they're like, um, yeah. So you need to copy. Yeah, copyright. Like, I don't know what that means, but okay. So I created an LLC. COVID happens. I create an LLC and I create a business and I'm like, all right, I'm going to just create this and I'm going to run all my research through this. So when I, if I leave my full-time university job, they can't keep it. It's mine. Yeah, that's right. I was like, all right, that's it. That's good. And then George Floyd was slaughtered on the street and everything changed. Yeah. And then I had another career come up as now I've been an entrepreneur my whole life, but, um, of creating a a company and we, in one year, we have not done any advertisement. It has been hard, but we have contracted with 14 companies with zero advertising. We are in the plus, not the minus. And we have not even stepped uh, on the gas because, uh, most of it, for all of us, it's a side hustle. I have a lot of side hustles and I hope to, my dream is to do that forever yeah, and yeah. to have it pay for my travel and my food and my makeup and bring all my friends on my trips and, um, and whatnot. But that's my career trajectory. And I think it's been a mix of hearing the spirit of God say, I'm calling you to tear down the dragon of white supremacy, which I did here. I'm calling that's you to help people, um, find out who they are. Yep. Um, I hear the calling and then the doors open. And again, yep. it sounds so easy and, but it wasn't, it was hard. It was, I know it wasn't. I fought for it hard. I, I tried to get into doctoral programs for 20 years yeah. until it finally happened. And it's the right one. I'm yep. going to be 44 when I graduate, almost 45. And it's You're the exact so right thing. So I'm young. starting, I'm starting my my third and maybe not final career 
That's actually pretty normal. I mean, that's actually pretty low. Most people switch, what do they say? Like 10 averages, 10 to 15 times people switch careers anymore. But, um, anyway, I I love your story. It was a lot. And, and why, I mean, I, I never had a choice. I've never been, I've never, uh, I was single until I was 30. So I had to pay my own bills. And then the nature of the relationship, uh, it's not even the relationship that I'm in. It's the nature of how the economy worked with my husband's career path. It was yeah. just shitty timing. And I've never had an option not to work. So right. people wonder, uh, but I'm actually glad for it because I think I was built, I was made to do these things. But I yeah. think a lot of women are like, well, must be nice to be married. Uh, must be nice. And yeah, it's nice to have somebody to partner with. Yeah. But I think it's a terrible assumption to think that just because you're a woman in a relationship, you don't have to work. work. Because right. I do. Yeah. And uh, and I do. So uh and I used to be ashamed of it, but I'm not anymore. And then we did talk about that in some episode, but who knows what we did. But yes. Anyway, that's that. That's I like that. telling that story. I, I haven't told that story on have I told it before? I don't know. I I don't it, know either. If I have, we can edit it. If you did. So what? It's a great story. So anyway, that's it. And we did, uh, it. We did it. This is totally gonna be a two-parter. Yes, of course. This is what we've been doing lately, but this was actually really fun. It was fun. I, I like fun. the variety. I know we, we didn't get, get to all, all the questions, questions. <laughs> That's right. we, we didn't get to all of them, but that's okay. Them, but we'll keep some in our back pocket and we do have plans to make some episodes around some of the other questions that were asked. Yeah. So just hang tight for those. And then, yeah. And let us know if you enjoyed this little format and hopefully you watch the video of our faces and us zooming because that's right. And like, and throughout the night, I don't know. Oh, there's the gray. Um, But anyway, I don't know. How are we signing off nowadays? We're doing our regular. We got to do peace. All right. So peace in the middle East forever and ever everywhere you go. Amen. Amen. (laughs) All right. Goodbye. Bye-bye. So here's what we would love for you to do. Rate, review, subscribe, and tell us how much you love us because we are just so lovable. (laughs) So lovable. But it actually does make a difference and it does help people find this podcast. If you like this podcast and you care about not only but also, you know, if you drop a little line there on Apple Podcasts and give us a little review. It actually means something. It does. And on Facebook, on Instagram, on any of these kinds of things. Listen, if we in any way have helped you see the both and better, let other people know so they too can see more clearly. We are Noba Podcast everywhere. Thank you.